0: Hello, welcome to Film Fandango, the film podcast. My name is David Reed, hosting you through the world of cinema with my good friend Marek Larwood. Hello, Marek. Hello, David. What voice was that? I don't know. I was just uh, trying something. Uh, it was sort of uh,
1: pockish, sort of like a bard or minstrel. Would you like to play a, a minstrel or a bard? Who would you play in a Shakespeare, Shakespeare have all of all the parts?
0: All the parts in all the Shakespeare's
1: in yeah. all the world? Uh, answer immediately.
0: Answer immediately. Uh, I would like to play Macbeth. No, it's rubbish, isn't it? Hamlet. Yeah. Who would you play? I mean, you're a born bottom.
1: Do you, not, probably... like that.
0: Do you not like that, that casting type? or oh, what idiot? Oh, he's not an, well, he's a, he's a comedian isn't he? He's a I think like he's a,
1: if, uh, I like to play someone sophisticated. Okay. Right, like, um who's the one the gadget one? Uh Q. <laughs> he's not in Shakespeare mate. What?
0: No, 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 that's not. That's a different writer you're thinking of.
1: Or right, then I then mean I'll... there's
0: as many of them, but they're not the same. You I play Bilbo. I think you'd be a good uh,
1: Richard III actually. I think you've got a lot of anger in you isn't he the worst the, not most evil.
0: Yeah, he's the most evil character they've got, yeah.
1: Or I play something like Bas- one of the um third men, you know, when there's a gang of men in Merchant of Venice and there's, there's it was a re- the third one. You just hear there's like that Bassanio or so and there's like, someone called Cassio or I something. I
0: think you Cassio.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Cassio 8310. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. I play I, Cassio. Okay. I yeah, you'd make a good Cassio. Yeah. I could see you playing a good Sir Toby Belch as well. He's a fun character. I played him at school. What's that in? Is that tr- he's in Twelfth Night. Oh, yeah, he's, he's the sort of um, high-status
1: drunk. Yeah, he's good. He's good. Or Wilmot Brown. Again, I don't think that's Shakespeare. See, tenders. Oh, that's it. Yeah, guy earned a wine bar who uh, She'd well, he sexually assaulted. <laughs> Uh, Beer would do worse than that. Okay. I don't want to play him.
0: Well, someone's already done that. I don't think they do remakes of. God, that they would do be a remakes. thing. The Marvel Studios go back and remake EastEnders from the beginning.
1: They do the whole. They do the. Then and Anne story. Right. In an hour and a half. Okay. As a whole film. A whole film. Someone's
0: going to do it. It's going to happen eventually. I mean, we have enough culture, guys. Can't we just rehash the old culture now? Nothing about it being relevant to the modern day. You did something very interesting. You can't prove a thing. <laughs> with your dog. <laughs> yeah, that's right, I did. Uh, as regular listeners will be aware, the Picture House Central in London is my go to cinema currently. And they had an event where owners could go with their dogs to the cinema to see a special screening of Heart of a Dog which is a film by Laurie Anderson the widow of Lou Reed and she's an artist in her own right and a poet as well and this is a very uh, different film actually it's more like an art piece than a sort of feature film as you would understand it or expect to go see but I knew nothing about it going in but yeah so I took buddy down to the picture house Central, and uh, I can show you the photos, Marek. I'll put these up on our Facebook page. Oh, they
1: are lovely. Uh,
0: we we're on the Picture House Facebook page. So
1: how, how does it work? Are the dogs allowed to sit on the? Yeah, seats?
0: as you can see from this photo, this is I went along with a uh, friend of the show Lizzie Roper, who uh, mm-hmm. hasn't been on in a while. But they put blankets on every third or fourth seat, and uh, the dogs come in, and uh, they come along and get their own seat, and. I was expecting, I have to admit, I bought a ticket because I thought it was going to be absolute carnage.
1: Did you have to buy a separate ticket for your dog as well? No, just Even though it takes
0: up two seats? That's right, yeah. So, I thought it was going to be carnage and be worth just watching this completely ill-thought-out thing fail. um, As it was just dogs barking at each other throughout a film we couldn't watch. And you know what? I... Couldn't have been more wrong. It was lovely. We all arrived at the lobby. How many dogs were there, first of all? Every third or fourth seat in a packed house. And did they. Was there barking and. Every now and again, but in the lobby they were all getting on uh, like a house on fire, having a lovely time. They just like being around big crowds. We go into the auditorium where obviously there's low lighting and we go along rows and we find our seat. And I promise you, They all immediately curled up on the seat and went to sleep as the lights came down for the film to start. They were all just doing their classic behaviour of sitting on the sofa with their owners at home. Like, they all just went to sleep. They were so much better behaved than your average view or Cineworld viewer.
1: That's incredible.
0: They, I would
1: happily... Is it the light thing then?
0: that They react to the lights going down? And just off. your body language of you're sitting down, uh, you know, ready to be there for a while, they go to sleep. Weren't what, what,
1: what, what, what they hassling people eating popcorn and things like that? The
0: dogs had their own popcorn. There was dog popcorn on every seat. What? Little bags of dog popcorn. So I settled it. It's uh popcorn is fine for them but it's without the high salt or sugar content so it's got flavorings of i think it was seaweed or something and just little things that they like but yeah so settled him settled buddy down with the little treats of dog popcorn to distract him until the film started and then we fell asleep i would happily sit in a screening with dogs and their owners rather than normal people at the cinema they were so much better behaved. Just
1: the, was this the first time they've done this dog thing? or what I do.
0: in the city in the uh, picture house. Yeah, they, they Laurie Anderson has done it in a couple of other places. She's actually organised uh, a concert for dogs with Yo Yo Ma. Oh wow! Uh, and apparently, yeah, then they added, you know. Lots of high notes, so there's more <laughs> left to get out of it. But she, no, it, the, she knows the cello, it's, man, she knows it cello, it's a, a naff and sort of ludicrous thing to attempt. But there's just something quite nice about doing it once, you know. So she's done it a couple of times, but not really. Her film is about the loss of her dog Lola Bell. And and about grieving and death generally, which of that course that would
1: be really depressing. Watching that when you've got your own dog next to you, it's
0: not a depressing film in that regard. Okay. No, it's about appreciation and memory and love, and it's it's quite. Um, and but it goes into memories of her own mother, and it actually talks about the de- death in a very positive way, but in everyone in her life apart from Lou Reed so it isn't a sort of celebrity cash in and I think that's been incre- that's been incredibly important to her the final frame of it is just a dedication to him but the rest of it is just about the other deaths in her life but in a positive way you know is a it, celebration of them their lives really
1: is it a good film or do you think she's has she used the dog can you only see it if you've got a dog with you? No, 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 no. It's it, there's plenty
0: that isn't about dogs at all. You know, in fact, the majority of it isn't really. Who about Who chose
1: to have a make a dog screen the cinema?
0: She did, she did, and she approached the cinema about it. Now, it's it's she is very good with words, and the music is all hers as well. The soundtrack is like one continuous piece, and some people will find it too wanky because it isn't a story in the same way the whole thing's narrated by her and it's sort of sound and images and short stories that she's telling mm-hmm. and it's about 90 minutes uh, just over and it's, but if you sort of accept it as what it is of not your usual cinema experience it's very well done She's she's got a real turn of phrase and there's some beautiful bits really really beautiful but it's just that surreal thing if you're all sat there with your dogs
1: and it's no problem at all. Like, do people feel, is there a sort of warmer, do you think the audience were warmer towards the film? Because there was an appreciation that you've, that she's allowed this to happen. I think so. So you feel different when I you're I think that's right,
0: because as a dog owner, especially in London, I think it's different in uh, smaller towns and villages. But in London, you're not welcome m- in many places. Um, you know you 're far more welcome with a screaming baby than you are with a well behaved dog mm. you know you can 't go into um a little corner shop you can 't go into a pharmacy you can 't go into a supermarket you can 't go into most restaurants you can 't go anywhere mm. you know and also in london i would some people would i wouldn 't tie up my dog outside and go into the shop because he 'll be stolen it happens mm. so it's, it, it was nice to be able to go to a big public event and be welcomed as you know and it's only the, it's only you guys here I mean that's mm. quite nice but no I mean they seem to en- enjoy it just being around a big pack of people that's all they get out of it and but Buddy has the seen it, a film at they? the cinema so that's the first that was that was all that was quite exciting for Film Fandango listeners
1: I think it's fascinating because we you told me about it before I was convinced it was going to be total chaos yeah
0: me too me too and it was anything but there was a couple of, you know, yaps from one corner to the other. You know, just the the couple of dogs who weren't in the mood. But Was
1: there barking in the film?
0: No, actually, not a lot. Every right. now and again. And uh, in fact, in the in the logo of the production company that made it, there is a bark. And all the dog owners
1: were like, you're all right, you could have muted that. <laughs> you just, just feel it palpably in the room, you know. I would like to see the reaction if there was real barking on the screen.
0: Well, it's and funny, actually. Sometimes, because uh, I'm an avid watcher of Game of Thrones and that has quite a bit of barking every now and again. And it's sometimes body will react to it and sometimes just as if nothing's happening. So it must be about the
1: pitch, the of, the pitch TV, of it. Yeah. Or
0: about it could be about what that bark means. Yeah. I don't know.
1: But I sausages. I can't believe... I mean, most of the mean sausages, don't sausages? they? Question mark? I like to think that ninety percent of them is, is the word sausages. Sausages. It's um yeah. I mean, it's it's. I don't
0: think they get a lot out of cinema. I think it's a, it's a medium for us monkeys. But
1: were the tickets? How much were the tickets more expensive? Uh,
0: no, they were fairly reasonable actually, and I'm I'm a member there, so I've got a discount. But um, Lizzie Roper, who for those who've been listening for a long time, brought in World's Greatest Dad, um, which is a film that we very much enjoyed she doesn't have a dog she's got cats but she came along because she just she likes dogs and she wanted to see what it was like mm. and yeah it was just like was fine no problem quite a weird quite a weird experience but nice to have done yeah it's fascinating and hearts of a dog um it's uh yeah i it's a very different experience i think it's not for everybody but i found it quite Beautiful.
1: Like Marley and Me, but a documentary. Yeah, a bit like Marley and Me. Yeah,
0: yeah. Only with more sort of in depth analysis of the soul and bereavement. There's a bit too much Buddhism in there for me, just off the peg. No. To make it truly, uh, uh, truly revelatory. But no, it, it, it's good. It's
1: good. She's a good writer. Well, should we go. To, how many Davies should you give it? Seven. Should we go to. Um... This! letter from Christopher Dodd he's writing in a bit isn't he this he is the Christopher, Christopher Dodd, Dodd
0: character I mean he's the new Christopher on the block what happened to Christopher Webb he's not written in for a while no no we'll see see what happens we'll
1: have to stop mentioning him soon yeah. Christopher well uh, friend of the show Christopher Dodd hi guys have you noticed in today's films a lack of emotional moments those special interactions between characters which just say so much Today's film, I can seem to have forgotten them totally. For instance, take the film Steptoe and Son, a comedy. But about halfway through, when Harold receives a letter from his wife, there's a really touching moment between him and his dad, where they realise she's leaving him. The camera slowly pans onto each of their faces. There's a hint of the Steptoe and Son theme in the background, but played purely on the piano. It's such a sad emotional scene, right there in the middle of a comedy film. Or how about when Superman cradles the body of Lois La- Lewis- Lane, sorry, after she had been crushed by the earthquake in the first Superman film. Such a gentle, tender scene. Again, right there, in the middle of a superhero film. Am I missing these moments in modern film? If so, could you please point them out to me? P.S. I've not forgotten about the Bumming Man, it's just that my therapist told me not to think about this for film for a few weeks. Apparently it was damaging my progress. Get lost, the, get lost, God! The Bumming Man is only a force of good! Anyway, back to the uh, question. Question in hand.
0: I think there is a general trend, and I don't think it's just me being old and going, films were better in the past, where big brash blockbusters don't give the character moments the time of day anymore. And I don't think it's just the sad moments. I think it's all the moments. They're now shot like music videos... More, I mean, not obviously as with as many shots, but it's more towards that style of just like show the thing and move on quickly. And it's not about that character experiencing anything. I thought a prime example from uh, modern cinema is The Force Awakens, where not a single character beat was given the time it actually needed to land.
1: Well, this is really, uh, I was talking about this only the other day mm. with a. Uh... Uh, a a writer who's got two kids who are nine and seven, and he showed them the original Star Wars he was quite a big star wars fan, yeah, and they found it slow and boring yeah whereas the force awakens, they found it really much better much better and they enjoyed it much more because the actual pa- they, i think the the pace the their brains are so wide to this quick cut because the amount of time between each cut uh, someones done studies, and that's gone down yeah, yeah. to you know one second, where it used to be three seconds or something like that.
0: I have bought some kids' TV for work that Danielle's been doing recently, and the pace of it is unwatchable at times. You know, it's mate, really they're,
1: they're used to watching things; they find slower things boring. Yeah, so they're made, they're trained, their brains to have these slow emotional things. Also, I think now, whereas opposed to in films, we talked about uh, Rocky last week. We talked, about you know. In, in a lot of blockbusters, there were the sad emotional things. Yeah. Now it seems to be a separate category. It does. I mean, if you remember... Teen, like the teen cancer yeah. films, there's been a few... And they, they are real weepy films. Yeah. So you're going especially to see that they're not mixing up the genres. I think of, you're so right. I
0: mean, if you think about Gremlins, um, it has that weird scene in the middle where uh, Phoebe Cates talks about how her dad died on Christmas... Uh, Eve climbed down the chimney dressed as Santa. And you go... and, And it's so strange. And I read an article, I think I've talked about it before, where Steven Spielberg, who was producing, said, I do not know why this scene is in here. If it was me, I would cut it. But it's your film. Do what you like. But I just want you to know, I do not understand why it's there. And you know what? It works, because it just gives you this... just like, breathe out in the middle of all of this carnage that just means that you care so much more about the people going through all of this nonsense. But it's like a an interval. An interval to reconnect with your characters who have just been chased by nonsense yeah. puppets for the last hour, you know? And I think you're right. You wouldn't put that scene into a film you knew was explicitly targeted at kids. I think in the past they just went, kids are gonna love this, but it's for everyone I guess, you mm. know, just make it. And there's now a there's now a vocabulary of filmmaking for uh, children. You know, with, and with every decade that's gone on, there's more films to draw on and copy and go. Oh, we should do that. Oh, we should do that. The original Star Wars films, and certainly the first one, is copying films for adults. Really, it's it's old westerns and war films and Kurosawa films. You know, it's got the the vocabulary of cinema is from ve- uh, very adult genres, and now they've got. And 30 40 years of films to go on and just go no we can do fast stuff mm. do fast stuff because kids like fast because if there's an emotional pause they don't understand it they're not sophisticated enough to get what this might be they've got they don't have their own experiences to draw on and recall in those moments you know
1: what's really interesting I mean talking about filmmaking uh, I watch a lot of YouTube things there's a, blo- a a vlogger called Casey Neistat who's an American who's 35 He's a filmmaker, and a few years ago, or a year or so ago, he decided to make a film a day. And what's really interesting about his films, all the kids watch them, but he uses a lot of drone footage and he does some time lapses. And he does some really beautiful cinematography. Right. So And it's not, and it's some, some, some types of quite there's always a time lapse there, there's always a slow thing, and it really gives it this feel, this city, this con, it's very cinematic. Yeah. And that's sort of gone through into. I mean, the, the, some of this footage wouldn't be out of place in cinema. And this is a drone. It's the same drones they use. Yeah. Um, and that's got the time. It's got the. And what makes these vlogs? Which are all ten minutes long. Which originally um, three or four years ago, you try and make an internet film. i are talking to people about. I made these Boris ones for Yahoo. Yeah. A few years ago, and everyone says, uh, "Kids have only really got. They've only really got three minutes. They've only got three minutes. It's got to be three minutes." And Arguing, someone saying saying this bit if is funnier if it's four minutes. Yeah. you've got the pauses and the pauses make the uncomfortable silence and it has to be longer. Yeah, unless and he's and he's doing this thing that, that the kids are watching.
0: But let's be sensible. The kids are watching because it's funny. The kids aren't watching because it's under three minutes. Yeah. You know, that lots of things are under three minutes and not worth watching. It, that You can't just
1: focus on that. You've got to actually focus on the comedy. Sure. I'm making sort of two points, really. My other yeah. point is, is the sort of beauty. I think kids are watching this stuff and it's beautiful. That's a whole part mm. of it. That this time, it, whether we're imposing our sense of what kids need, we're, we're programming the kids yeah. to have short attention spans rather than them. Half of it's our, the filmmakers' fault for not teaching them. The slow things. Yeah, I really think that's it's not just one way. Kids have got more attention spans. It's us or not us. You know, people creating the content, creating those attention spans.
0: I think it's bad for those kids. You know, to not give them these moments they don't quite understand yet, because mm. that's how you learn. I mean, the amount of. I mean, we're both comedians, so presumably as kids we watched a lot of comedy, and I've gone back and revisited some of my favourite things that I've watched again and again and again as a kid, and suddenly realised I didn't know what that joke was about. I still like the rhythm of it and the words have stuck in my head so I've learnt what they mean because they were there. But I still liked it. And if there, if there isn't more for you to understand as a kid, if it's all just like, here's everything you already know fed back to you, yeah, that is not what a good parent should do.
1: And society should be a good parent for all its kids, I guess. 2001, for example, that's a slow film it's a slow film for a lot of adults 2001 but it really creates that sense of space this lonely slow place Mm. that the pace you know the timing creates this feeling which is unusual and almost puts you into this dreamlike lull state I think watching it because it's so slow, and it so doesn't w-
0: seem at the pace of a single person's life. It, it feels at the pace of humanity, doesn't it? It's like yeah. we're just seeing snapshots of a far longer timeline here. It's a brilliant film. I, 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 I think you're right. The pace is slow, but I don't think it's ever boring. There's always something weird happening or something for you to go what.
1: A film with a different pace I saw, I mentioned earlier on the year, one of the best films of the, film of the year so far was that Rams, the Icelandic one, mm-hmm. was about the two brothers and their Rams. I loved the pace of that. Yeah. I, I really felt you I don't need someone... I like to go to cinema to sort of... Yeah. Not look at my phone to feel absorbed in something. And sometimes it's easier to do that with slower cuts. Yeah.
0: I think... Um... Going back to the original question about these emotional moments as well Deaths is one where we've seen so many films that leading up to the climactic section will kill off a character you like in order to give it that dive down so we've got the furthest to travel to the victory It's a trick but it, you know, it, it, it works if we're invested If it, If we're not invested it seems like we're being manipulated But because so many films have done it now, they just copy the beats but try to do it in as short a time as possible like it's, if it's it's the, like the awakens is a, big is a example, perfect yeah. example of that but it's but it's not the only example of that mm. you know it seems like well we saw them die and we saw a shot of someone looking sad, we can move on you just go that's not death that's not death to anyone like how are they <laughs> it's the number of films where they go no over the love of their life or their best friend or the or their parent or whatever and then 10 minutes later having defeated the baddie they're high-fiving their best mate <clears throat> riding into the sunset and you go aren't you still bereaved like this is this is just
1: nonsense
0: isn't it this is just
1: nonsense that's why Trinity Maddy Deep is a brilliant film because it deals with that whole the first thing is sh- it's not bereavement it's shock yeah and then bereavement comes in way this sort of horrible waves that hit you. It's a brilliant it's, film. And that, sort of, and that and it's time and the film they can never really deal it's hard to deal with because death and bereavement it's, it's such a length of time, isn't it? You how do you do how do you manage to show that length of time in an hour and a half?
0: Yeah. Well, no, I'm not saying that as soon as somebody dies, the rest of the film should be about bereavement. That would get very tiresome, I think. But going back to big blockbuster films like, um, okay, well, if we're using The Force Awakens as an example of who does it wrong, then let's look at Star Wars as an example that does it right. Exact same thing where Obi-Wan Kenobi gets killed and he has been a, a father figure to Luke and also his only link to his real father in the past. That he knows of at the time, mm. and so really, the father he never knew is dying again because he he Obi Wan is the only one who can tell him about him, you know. And then you've got them all regrouping on the Millennium Falcon, having escaped, and Luke is sort of, you know, he's feeling it. We sit, he's feeling it for at least a scene, mm. you know, in the next one. They're still getting on with other stuff and talking about what they're going to do, but it's it feels like. It's not just tricks, it feels like it's the story's being told, and I suppose that's the difference. There's no hard and fast way of doing it, but it's not just copied a film that's done this before, so we all get what's going on. It's actually trying to make you feel it, mm. and I think that's the difference.
1: I, I mean, think. it's interesting about how maybe films seem fickle because human life, so just sort of there's no effect of someone dying, so it doesn't really you mean in terms of globalised society and an information I age i try to make or... a point a bigger point I don't know what it is I might just be know that <laughs> fair enough fair enough ok this is
0: from James and it's come through our website filmfantago.co.uk or com I don't know how to say that man it's so boring right <laughs> James says hey lads don't do a voice pisses me right off when I have to rewind <laughs> to work out what the hell you're saying it's a fair point Excellent podcast all the same. Can't remember you talking about docs on BBC iPlayer, and I think now is as good-slash-important a time as ever. It's where I first discovered Cartel Land, and have just watched Into the Limelight, a lovely look at rock tribute acts in a crew club, an arena from 1997. Not groundbreaking, but if you're familiar with the underground, struggling music scene, David, I'm sure you'll love. i donate, but I'm off to the bank to ask if they'll increase my... £3,000 overdraft tomorrow as on Sunday I won't be able to pay my weekly rent. Oh, Needless to say I'm an actor.
1: <laughs> Keep watching the films. Um oh, Good luck James. I hope you uh, get something. Yeah. I hope you get uh, an advert which will pay approximately just under £3,000. Just thunder. Just thunder. Um, yeah, sorry to hear that James.
0: Um, Film Bush. Fandango is free so that everyone can listen to it I guess. Um, but yeah uh, documentaries on the iPlayer I've not actually gone to the iPlayer for documentaries yeah, you you've seen Cartel Land though, I thought
1: you? I reviewed it a few weeks ago I thought it was uh, uh, painted a very dark picture of Mexico yeah. why not tune in to our podcast about 3 4 weeks ago Look, look and for and hear me blunder through another review of that Sure.
0: <laughs> if you go to acast.com forward slash film fandango uh, there's a list of all of them there and in the descriptions it says the films we talk about so you'll be able to find it in there
1: um, I'll go on to the next I'll go on to next letters actually related similarly. Okay. In the voice of Ian McCaskill, I can't do that. Uh, hey David Marrick by the impossible guest, we must get some guests in. We do. Glad I you think. both enjoyed all this mayhem. Aussies do a special line slightly unhinged, wild eyed but likable guys. Tropper, Steve Irwin, Taz, the crazy uh, crazy Australian dog guy. He's put a YouTube clip in there. Another sports dot recommendation, I'm sure you're aware Netflix has released. Team Foxcatcher recently, I read that really badly, sorry, well worth a watch even if you haven't seen the movie that came out last year, it really strikes me that the director of the movie panicked and toned down the script so it wouldn't seem unbelievable as some of the stuff depicted in the doc goes beyond what they included, Uh, there's a sort of mild spoiler scene here, anyway, keep watching the films, Henry. I have watched, so what I did was I watched four documentaries and on Netflix so I'll take you through them sort of quite yeah, quickly yeah I do. And what, did you see
0: Foxcatcher I didn't it's this uh, Channing Tatum Steve Carell wrestling Mark Ruffalo thing it's a famous yeah.
1: story about this uh, uh, f- really connected rich but weird uh, heir to uh, a, f- a fortune um, who decided to get uh, involved in a bloke called Johnny Dupont, who was a weird mother sort of figure, and not too dissimilar from some sort of psycho character, really. Okay, uh, and he uh, invested in American wrestling, scene and created his own weird uh, American wrestling base camp next to his mansion, and got these all these international wrestlers in <laughs> to try and make America win the Olympic wrestling. Right, and then there's something very very peculiar, as you probably saw about uh, the, in the. Steve Carell performance, I I think you don't really need to watch the film. It's very similar to the film. Obviously, it's a documentary of it. So, yeah. it and in my head, I thought the theme was the film might have been overly stylized with the um with the with track suits yeah, you know, yeah. with a fox catcher on it. But he actually had those, and I thought maybe Steve Carell was playing it too big. The performance but this john e. DuPont is a very very strange man who's got serious issues that are a, and a dark side that is the underbelly of his philanthropy yeah, you don't yeah. see it's a fascinating documentary um it would have been better probably if i hadn't seen the film. Because you knew what was going to You know exactly what's going to happen. What they did was, in the film, uh, it's interesting, they put Chang Tatum as the brother of Mark Ruffalo. Yeah. But in the actual events, the guy who Chang Tatum sort of alludes to playing is a, a Russian uh, a, a, a wrestler, not his brother at all. So I don't know why they did that. But it, it's very peculiar things of them just, literally all these, this odd world, all these macho wrestlers, just their... And he, John Eden Pott wants to become a wrestler as well. So they all have to pretend, because he's funding it all. Yeah. They all have to pretend that he's a good, He's wrestling these Olympic quality wrestlers. And he's a 60-year-old man trying to get and fit. The, and they're all living in the grounds of his house. It's very odd and very peculiar. <laughs> he becomes increasingly more paranoid. Um, it's a fascinating story. I think what's great is on we talked about this before we're seeing a whole uh, what's the a load of documentaries because of the video footage is more and more available
0: yeah uh, well and everyone's filming everything all the time Yeah. so there's enough footage to make something after the event you didn't know was building to.
1: yeah with incredible stories the other ones I saw so Foxcatcher I give it 7 marks. that's a good watch another really interesting one is called Red Army mm-hmm which is the story of uh, Slava Fetisov, who, um, in the 1980s, uh, ice hockey became the most popular sport in, in, of the uh, Soviet Union. And they had this Uber, the greatest team ever. A bit like, if you know football, there's the Dutch side playing total football, where they'd all pass it, they revolutionise yeah. the game. Suddenly there was a Soviet team where all the defenders are attacking, and you watch clips of them play, they're just... like ballerinas, really, just skating around the ice, destroying the American sides. They're playing all these... Because uh, there was quite a lot of money in the American game even then. They're going on tour, beating the Canadians, and... I hadn't heard about this The Americans want to uh, get these Russian players. Obviously, they're all in the Russian army, because they all pay for the Red Army, yeah, Soviet yeah. team. And... They they suddenly experience this American life they're not used to like shops full of food it's still it's just the very end of the Cold War yeah, yeah. Uh, when at sort of eighty eighty nine when I think I can't remember exactly when Gorbachev step, steps down so you've got the stories of this team and how they potentially defect to America to play so it's, it's sport combined with history which yeah. is fascinating yeah. And the bloke who's the, the, this Slav so they interview him. He comes across as a real cold... He could easily be the villain in the bonfire. There's something... They put these bits in the documentaries on purpose, I think, to show that he's a bit of an arsehole. Yeah. Where he's on his phone, and he's stopping the person from saying, hang on, he's business, let me finish business, Then I'll speak to... Him. And because maybe it's his understanding of... Um, of, of, of English that He's very, very blunt. There's no manners, it's just a matter of fact. There's n- there's no, he just says everything really bluntly and disagrees with things if he's got any objection to it. So it's fascinating seeing a difficult, yeah, star. Someone who's we're so used to seeing these media trained sportsmen who don't really have opinions, yeah. To we've seeing someone who came from the Soviet Union who's in his 50s now, who's now a sports minister under Putin, isn't uh, Talking with doing exactly what he wants it, it, he's quite an interesting character anyway it's um, it, it's nice to see that the undercurrent it's not just sport you've got the whole of collapse of the Soviet Union and you find out how they used to train people differently the things they put them through it's interesting another seven marics great um, and then in contrast to that, there's one called I, I watched Everson about Alan Everson who's I was a big basketball fan and I missed him. He was the uh, player from the sort of ghettos, really, from the real the projects, who rose to fame and became the basketball star at around two thousand three, two thousand and four. He was only six foot, so in the, in the NBA, when they're six eleven, yeah, yeah. you know, seven foot. And it's interesting because you're supposed to feel sorry for him. He's from the projects, and he's difficult, but. I just think, well, maybe you're just an asshole. <laughs> Do you know what I mean, Wendy? They're trying yeah. to make him cool and likeable. And you think, well, you're... I don't re- really feel sorry for you. Yeah. Because sportsmen aren't really interesting. That's the problem. No, with I mean, that is
0: it, isn't it? I mean, they have spent a lot of time not talking to people. Just. Getting their their kicking and their throwing and their stuff right for their entire emotional and intellectual development, so, and they will burn out in their thirties.
1: <laughs> or yeah, or they just, or they're giving money and have to deal with it and yeah. totally spoil. Yeah, yeah. No, they they're the odd
0: subject of films, aren't they?
1: The, and this was a documentary where all of the interviewees were pro Everson pretty much right you didn't see anyone slagging it was all the teachers who really liked him that he was all hard done by there was no uh, alternate story at all yeah yeah and yet I just there's something about uh, call me prejudice but if I see someone with tattoos on their neck I instantly don't warm to people (laughs) (laughs) well I think that might be your thing but I I
0: get that I get that um so you think it's a bit of a polemic that might be a little far from the truth. You think he might just be a bit of an asshole and that's why he was kept
1: down or he also he did you know he he made mistakes and he didn't handle it and he had a really really bad life and he was right. treated badly where uh he was in a fight at a bowling alley and they tried to ruin his career and he got put in jail for it because it was just uh, you know yeah. the bunch of black kids fighting white kids and all right. the black kids yeah, get yeah. uh, 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 imprisoned, but it didn't really ever address any sh- I think the thing with with dealing with these big personalities who are multimillionaires millionaires doing documentaries on them, the problem is you they've got such a so many lawyers and people supporting them, yeah, that to do a really truthful sort of warts and all documentary is yeah. quite a difficult thing to achieve. And
0: however true the stuff that makes it into it, if it feels polemic, then you start to distrust what everyone's saying. Yeah. So it could be that everything you're being told is true, but because you don't have the other side and all human beings are both things. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I can see that. So so does it hamper your enjoyment of the documentary?
1: Yeah, I didn't think it was. A, I just didn't really think it was a all documentary. It wasn't like... Uh, it, it, he ends up coming across
0: worse so it feels like a backfiring propaganda piece about a man a
1: little bit everyone's trying to be nice about him but there, was, there isn't enough nice things to say <laughs> to fill a documentary okay. and they just seem to be making excuses a lot of people are making excuses for his behaviour because he makes them very wealthy <laughs> presumably yeah and he had, had a hard life he was an interesting player but I just I, I didn't find it as enjoyable hey look as well, some
0: have people have had hard lives are just arseholes I mean
1: yeah I'm sorry
0: for you but you're still an arsehole
1: yeah <laughs> and you got to be the most valuable player of the NBA so you, some of your dreams did come true yeah which is pretty so so what are you still being an arsehole for yeah just, <laughs> I don't really understand why you're acting sad yeah
0: <laughs> Yeah. Well, is there a bit of self pity going on? I think so. I mean,
1: right. everyone. I think everyone has a sense of self pity, but you'd, if you want, it's won, not an
0: attractive trait, though, is it?
1: Especially if you if you've actually, it's it's equivalent of me winning an Oscar, yeah, and then trying to get people to sort
0: of. Well, it's been really hard. Feel sorry me. that
1: I got bit by a dog when I was six or something.
0: Yeah, yeah. I saw a video. But that's a
1: terrible example because his life is <laughs> much harder. Sure,
0: sure. I mean, he went to prison but i saw a video on facebook that you know how facebook has just started playing videos if you accidentally loiter over the i topics. can't stand it i know but there was one of justin timberlake who i've interviewed actually and he was doing some talk at some teen event thing about how um you should embrace your difference and it's great being different because he ha- he found it really tough growing up being different he so You weren't different. You were in the Mickey Mouse Club. You were the most popular boy at school, you lying prick. Yeah. And it's clearly a PR move to make him in, because it's cool to be the nerd these days. Yeah. Just go, you weren't different. I didn't believe a word of it. But there's a lot PR know about that. The self-pitying thing to get people on side. Just go, yeah... To become the millionaire I am, I had a really tough
1: journey. It's just sub-stories that yeah. become, that oh, Britain's got talent, these talent shows. Yeah. It's always, you know... But when already successful people do it to tell you
0: how they their success is justified because they had it tough, you just go, oh, shut
1: up. Yeah, get with the programme. Yeah. And the last documentary... Oh, yeah. ...is a recommendation... Um, by uh, I follow him on Twitter. It's at uh, Tokyo Sex Whale, yes. named uh, who. He's a graphic designer. He's a graphic designer. Yeah, he recommended some brilliant stuff uh, bef- before um, t- to us. Uh, and he, after I did my uh, live filmed, unsuccessful film tweeting the other week, he recommended Finders Keepers. So I watched it immediately. Um, so follow him at Tokyo underscore sex world and you can see some brilliant graphic design Uh, this is an incredible story what's it about (sighs) is it one that I should know
0: nothing about and just watch
1: I can say something about it but you can't if you want to go and watch it I would stop the podcast now and then you can go and watch it and talk about it
0: Okay. to those of you leaving us now Keep watching the films. Goodbye.
1: I'll just do a general uh, description. It's a it's a story about uh, a man uh, who had his leg amputated, the bottom half of his leg, and he couldn't find anywhere to st- to store it. So he stored it. He wanted to keep it to keep the bone as a, sh- a shrine to something that caused the accident in the first place. Right. Um, it, it basically there was an, an aircraft accident he right. it, um, which is more quite tragic he put it in one of these storage things in the stove of uh, 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 of this uh, storage thing because he kept it uh, and it had mummified oh
0: my his God. leg
1: he, he wanted to keep it because it was his leg he stopped paying the repayments on his I don't know what storage thing he like it like that storage that yeah, show yeah, them, yeah. someone bought uh, the stove to find... A mummified leg in it. Yeah. Now, that's pretty weird. What makes this incredible is the characters in this film. Okay. The guy's family who's lost his leg is quite tragic and he's just a really likeable but he's got a lot of problems and his family are quite mental. Okay. And the bloke who buys it is by the same people who made... Um, King of Kongs right where I found out for a conversation they had on Twitter which has got the archetypal really bad villain and the loser guy this also has got a brilliant villain in it this bloke called Shannon or something of his really sort of sign, bit vain but a sort of horrible narcissist you yeah. can't see why he's a narcissist and he insists He's a, he's disgusting and an asshole, and he's someone who buys things t- to make profit, and he's got no sense of. He's just not a nice person. Yeah, he <laughs> insists that as he bought the stove, the leg is his property. Ugh, why would you want to? But he want because he wants to make money. Oh, I see. So he won't. He is argue, gets into a legal dispute. <laughs> <insisting> <laughs> Over a man's that own this a man's leg. own leg. Is his property? Are you allowed to own body human body parts? Well, that's what it's the whole lot open wow. up this whole that's kind fascinating. of work, and it, it, it's not just about that. It's about their characters. Yeah, yeah. It's about this bloke being this sort of uh, really obese sort of narcissist with a sort of with a ignored wife, and the other bloke having his own demons. Where basically, oh, oh dude, he's he loses a family member in the crash. and right. lost his leg. And he's got a bad drink and drug problem. Right, and it's very well made. Uh, it's just an incredible story and incredible characters. That sometimes it was all over the news, the big thing it got yeah. into the papers over here. Okay, it's just a bit. It's only got a two star rating on Netflix. It's not a perfect documentary, but it's really nice after seeing. The, it's always documentaries about sports stars yeah, or documentaries yeah. about a certain issue it's refreshing to watch a documentary that's just a really weird story where you get to see how mental normal people
0: are yeah yeah they can be so recap the names of those four for us again so we can track them down
1: Team Foxcatcher yeah I would watch the film you watch this or the film because they're so similar I, I haven't seen the
0: film so I'll watch this
1: yeah watch the documentary Everson, uh, I just think if you like basketball it's mo- sure. mo- otherwise it's not really that interesting Red Army is a fascinating account of ice hockey yeah. and sport and the collapse of Russia and the to you know America that point in the 80s yeah, yeah. it does feel like well, a it's, rocky sort of feel it's not
0: yeah. long before the fall of the Soviet Union
1: yeah but. and Finers Keepers is a, a fascinatingly mental story Amazing. Middle America, you know. Amazing. Alright,
0: well that's it for this week. If you'd like to get in touch, then please do so on our website, filmfandango.com. And you can go to the contact page and write to us from there. We will be back next week. Keep watching the films.